Hey guys, a quick editor's note. We recorded this episode just before the news had come out about Elliot Page coming out as trans. We had been a fan for a long time of their work and wanted to show our love and support. In our episode, we talked briefly about the work they've done and used the pronouns they were going by before the new announcement. Rather than take it out, we wanted to keep in our positive words and just address up front that we recorded this before the announcement was made. We are really happy and would love to congratulate Elliot for taking such a big step in his gender identity. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the podcast where we ask the question... Hey. 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 Hey now. Hey now. (laughs) Remember the odds. I'm Courtney. And I am... Thomas. (laughs) And we talk about everything from Liam Meester to Blake Lively. Oh my god, I got one. Oh my god. You got one? Yeah, the aughts. You know what was the thing in the aughts? What was the thing in the aughts? The Resident Evil movies. They were bad. Um, Oh yeah, we gotta do those sometime. And then, and then, and then the uh, the Underworld franchise, which I've never seen, but I feel like I feel like this borrows a little bit from. Totally. I've never seen any of the Underworld movies, but I I listened to the How Did This Get Made episode of the last Underworld movie, and it definitely crossed paths in a lot of ways. Yeah, I remember... I remember that being a big thing, like especially because yeah. I think it was in middle school when that when we when those movies came out, or the first one at least, Underworld. Right. And that definitely fed into that like new metal sort of gothy thing that was happening around that time. I actually, as a teenager, a tween, however old we were when this came out, I remember seeing the posters of Kate Beckinsale in Underworld and just looking at her costume and being like, is that the exact same leather suit that trinity had in matrix oh yeah absolutely cyberpunk (laughs) cyberpunk the matrix definitely influenced like every movie in the 2000s to some degree right oh my god but we're not talking about underworld today we're talking about another franchise of werewolves versus vampires was that That also has michael sheen in it wait he was in underworld Mm-hmm. He was married to Kate Beckinsale. Oh. Yep. Yep. Crossover. Cro- 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 crossover. That's right. Did werewolves and vampires always have a feud, or is that just a mechanic we made recently? I don't know. We should look into this. I mean, I wonder if it has anything to do with, and we've talked about this in the Cloverfield episode, is you get the big mashup of the like classic monsters in one of the earlier like monster movies yeah because i know that at some point in the original universal monster movies they do cross Mm -hmm. over in movies like i think the first time like dracula and the actual wolfman crossovers like house of dracula Mm -hmm. but i think the first crossover between these monsters was um what was it um frankenstein meets the wolfman which i genuinely Mm -hmm. love that movie Mm-hmm. But um, there was a movie, and it wasn't a Dracula movie, but it was when I kind of trying to remember the name of it. It was the first time that werewolves fought with vampires, and I think it was called. Um, give me one second. I want to keep this accurate because then right. if I don't, I'm a bad film person. No, I get it. And in the first Twilight episode, I was saying Stephanie Meyer, and then in the second one, for whatever reason, I thought her last name was 
was plural, so I kept oh. saying Stephanie Myers. Yes. I hear it is. It's um the movie's called The Return of the Vampire. It's not oh. Dracula, but it's Bella Lugosi playing a Dracula. And it's it's a pretty cool concept. During during the London Blitz, um a bomb strikes a cemetery and reanimates a were- it reanimates a vampire who then has a familiar werewolf and then they duke it out. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. Return Clean of the Vampire. Premise. 1943, 6.2 rating on IMDb, which is pretty good for an old monster movie. Oh, I would check movie. it out. I'm going to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I would check that out. Okay, um, cool. And that's that's a point, a point, a 1.2 points more than the movie we're going to talk about today has, which is the third Great. movie in the franchise of the Twilight Saga, Twilight Eclipse. <laughs> Jacob, what are you doing? I'm here to warn you. She's leave now. She has a right to know. What? We've been tracking the situation in Seattle for a while. Unexplained disappearances. <laughs> Killings. Someone's creating an army. An army of vampires? They're coming here. This is the moment we have been waiting for. Yes, this is the peak of the franchise. Yeah, this is the one that we're the most pumped about. It's the best one. <laughs> it's the best one. <laughs> uh, Rachel Lefevre, Lefevre gets replaced by Bree Dallas Howard in a really weird choice. I didn't even notice that while watching the movie. I noticed <laughs> That's it. It's so funny. I noticed it afterwards, and I texted you. I'm like. Wait, did they replace Victoria? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're like, yeah. Did yeah. You... <laughs> yeah. They have a completely different face now. But you know what? To my credit, she barely did anything in New Moon. Like, That's she ran to the woods. That was it. I think, well, I think also, like, I was already aware of this actress when... She left Twilight movies because she left the Twilight movies for one of my favorite movies. So I saw that one when it came out. I saw Barney's version in 2010. Um, And I just was like, wow, she's amazing. Like, she has a small role in it, but she's fantastic. And she has this, like, life, like, it's just so, like, vivacious and erratic and wild and... So I could easily pair that context to her character in Victoria, even if they're not really giving us that much with Victoria to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the 2000, I'll read the quick synopsis for this movie. The 2010 Twilight Saga Eclipse. A string of mysterious killings grips Seattle. Bella, whose high school graduation is fast approaching, is forced to choose between her love for vampire Edward and her friendship with werewolf Jacob. That already makes it abundantly clear, but okay. D- director this time is David Slade, and I think it kind of shows in the movie because there is a bit more of like a self-aware comedic tone to this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely moments where there was like, "All right, we know this is silly," but his previous work was he did the 2005 Hard Candy. Have you ever seen this? It's a, it's a, it's an. No, but I know, I know what happens. It's an, it. it's a tense fucking movie. Yeah, yeah that pa- movie's a lot. That's the first time I ever saw Ellen Page. 
Really? Yeah, and it she's Oof. it sold me on her immediately. And Patrick Wilson's in it. It's a it's just a that was a wow movie. He also did Thirty Days of Night. You know, he did a vampire oh, movie yeah. before. I love Thirty Days of Night, but I haven't seen it in a very long time. Mm-hmm. But like. Those vampires are infinitely more monstrous and cool looking than these vampires. Sure, sure. And he's done like his most recent, I think one of his recent things was called Nightmare Cinema, which looks fucking awesome, but I've never seen it. Okay. It's got a picture of a really cool looking demon on the poster and he's holding a reel of film. Oh, fun. And it's, oh, it's directed by, wait, he didn't direct this. What did he do? Why is he credited with this then? Joe Dante directed this? Oh, boy. Oh, I think it's an anthology. That's why. Oh. Yeah, it's a it's an anthology. Don't listen to me. He directed one of the segments. Well, you know what I just found out about these um, Twilight movies? Yeah. And I guess this makes a lot of sense now, is... Um, you know, there's a character in it. So, like, obviously this movie is based off of the third novel of the Twilight series. But I was also looking up other Stephanie Meyer, like, writings yesterday. And there was a novella that kept coming up called The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner. And they sort of combine the plot of Eclipse with that novella. Really? Yeah. And that's why the movie focuses so closely or like brings quite a bit of attention to that really young vampire who oh wow yeah unfortunately meets the end of her second life very that, quickly i did like that element of this movie because it is a it is a you know it's not just a big vampire fight there's a little bit more depth to that no admittedly i like as terrible as it sounds, that was also my favorite part of this one. Yeah, because it shows real stakes. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It actually shows some real danger and consequences to being a vampire. Because up until then, it's just sort of like, we can't die, we can do whatever we want, and we glitter. So. Yeah, and I was even thinking about that while the battle was happening. Like, mm-hmm. in in theory, you have to think that these are all just kids who were literally like a week ago were just normal people who mm-hmm. got turned into vampires by a crazy, like... Simp. By a big-ass simp. And I love that you texted me. You're like, this guy is totally... I forgot his name, but like in the beginning of the movie... It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, in the beginning of the movie, this guy gets turned by Victoria and he does her bidding. And Courtney, you text me, you're like... This guy is a big simp. And immediately I responded, I'm like, that's all vampires, though. They're all, like, these ridiculous, melodramatic, kinky, sexual deviants who all want to be submissives and doms. And and then I sent you the Peter Steele music video, well, typo negative video for Love You to Death. And I'm like, this is what every, like, gothy vampire person wants to be. Yeah. So as much as Twilight is fun to make fun of, this trope has existed forever um excuse me if you hear me clicking i just remember you just reminded me like with the, like the whole like kinky vampire thing there was a show on the sci-fi channel that i really loved and it was it was like um it was a, an american version of 
a British show, and it was about, I can't remember the name of it, and I'll find it another time, but um, it's it was a show on sci-fi about um, a bunch of roommates, and one's a werewolf, one's a vampire, and one's a ghost, so she can't leave the house. Ah. And it's a really good show, but there is, like, a whole plot to, like, the vampire's like storyline where he just is like in bloodlust with another vampire and I remember that being the most boring part of the show for me and Joe because we were like this is just every vampire series has done this yeah for some reason I mean we talk about it briefly in the last episode like the his the origin of the vampire is in Mm -hmm. some capacity always related to the forbidden like sensuality especially since it's typically you know women are the either victims or sought after by these masculine vampires or if it's Mm -hmm. a woman vampire she's always like more of a femme fatale right so there's always that weird silly like i i love making fun of it i love this goofy ass shit but it's silly (laughs) right right and the funny thing is i guess because of like the the origins or like the stories that we've heard about like the sort of beginning blossoming myths of vampires are so weird and so interesting because like when I was in Latin we talked a lot about vampires for some reason yeah and so um my Latin teacher at the time you know talked to us a lot about Vlad the Impaler yeah and also this other Romanian legend about like a, a lady who like she was mean to one of her servants and like she like hit her in the face with her brush and then naturally like a speck of blood like you know it cut her and the speck of blood landed on the lady's skin and for whatever reason she thought that it made her skin look more youthful so then she just was like well we should just kill virgins and i should bathe in their blood yeah wasn't that elizabeth that was elizabeth bathory or something like that yeah yeah just like a logical next step to smacking your servant lady in the face with a brush is like oh well i guess i should kill virgins now there there's a let's speaking of goofy ass shit um yeah what's his face frontman for the or previous frontman for the misfits Dan, glenn danzig mm-hmm. hilarious man oh, uh, danzig. glenn danzig i mean Probably the best misfits, you know, one of the best, you know, the best, ugh, I keep repeating the best, the best. What am I trying to say? No, it's okay. Gave us some of the best misfits music as the front man. Definitely brought a lot of style and character and charisma, but he's also a man who takes himself way too seriously. And it's really funny to make fun of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he has also had some problematic issues, but that's because he's an insecure man who's five, four and really wants to let you know that that doesn't affect him, even though it does. Right. He right. wrote a graphic novel called Veratica that he just turned into oh. a movie. That's oh. it's awful. It's okay. an awful, awful movie. But the it's an anthology based on some of his stories. And the third one is just a retelling of this story about the vampire Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And it's so goofy and so dumb and so boring. Because mm-hmm. it's like uh, everyone in the movie, and this is no shame thrown at them. They did the best they could, but it's all porn actors and actresses sure and to steal a quote from fellow podcasting uh queens of nc17 who covered verotica 
they had the debate, did he make this movie to get laid or see some boobs? And they're like, yeah, but he's Glenn Danzig. There's going to be some goth girl who still wants him. And she's like, yes, yes. But I mean, it's Glenn Danzig, but it's also Glenn Danzig. Right, fair, That's my favorite quote about Glenn Danzig. We're getting really off topic, and that's my fault. No, but I mean, like, it all ties to, like, vampire lore and just, like, how the Twilight series does in some way attach itself to these tropes, but then also thinks in, like, an act of rebellion that the next best step to, like, separate yourself from those tropes is to make vampires completely different from what we know and make them super overkill and make Rami Malek the avatar in the last movie. <laughs> See, I'm I haven't even seen it, so I'm 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 waiting. I'm ready for it. I can't wait for you to see Rami Malek as the avatar. Oh boy. Yep, it's something else. I don't even remember what happens. It's it's fine. That's fine. Um but so in this movie Yes. Right. We get to the point where Victoria turns the simp into a vampire and you do feel bad for him because he was just heading home as a human. And then you're right. Like he, you know, was just a normal person who was leaving a bar and just happened to be upon in Victoria's plan, which suddenly is important to us two movies later. Yes. Yeah. And so their whole, the plot of this movie, and then we got to talk about the, now I I kept thinking about this watching the movie. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because we already know what happens. We already know it's been like 10 years. We know that she fucking loves Edward and it's all going to be about Edward. But did people legitimately go to the theater and go, I don't know. She might choose Jacob. I was thinking about that too. I've been thinking about that because there's an SNL sketch sketch when Taylor Lautner hosts where he's like a teen girl and he's actually Team Edward. <laughs> and, you know, the whole time he's like, well, who cares about Jacob? I think that there was a point where people weren't sure what was going to happen. There has to be, right? I mean, they yeah. sold like merch, like Team Edward, Team Jacob. Right. Team Space Heater. I also really, it's really healthy to see while we watch this movie that both of them dictate what's best for Bella. Oh my god, it's so frustrating. That's when we get the best line in the whole series. <laughs> Jacob's day? Line. No, the, um, guys, knock it off. I'm officially Team Switzerland. Oh, right, you're right, you're right. That is the best phrase. I I can't stop laughing, though, when I think of her telling Jacob to stay, because it sounds like she's telling a dog to sit. She is. She's intentionally telling a dog to sit. <laughs> but so, I mean, so there's, there's the quote-unquote, like, war or army that's being built, and then there's the, like, Edward and Jacob drama, and then also there's like high school stuff, like they're getting ready to graduate. Yeah, and I think I mentioned it last episode, but this is this is when we get peak dad because I remember he he says, You're ungrounded so long as you spend time with other friends. Right. Like that's just a good dad. He's like That's a good dad. I want you to spend time with other people. You must be around people, but you can't just obsess about the boys. Right, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so 
I'm trying to remember, like, do they show the graduation in this movie or is it in the next one? It's in this one, right? I don't remember the graduation. I know they, did they have the party in this one? And then that's when they have the meeting. They're like, there's a, there's a, there's an army coming. Alice has the vision. She's like, there's an army coming, but she can't see. I think because it's, she sees that there's an army coming Mm -hmm. and the army is heading towards them because they're across the water in forks, but she can't see that it's Victoria yet. Okay. So I think yeah. that scene is in this movie because we do see her high school friends again, but again, they have less of a role in this movie than they did in the last movie. You're right. I think because like so much of this movie is so focused on like the there's there's a simp and an incel, and I just you know pat myself on the back for not knowing what either of these terms were when we shot the 500 days of summer episode and now i'm like using them interchangeably i'm glad i introduced you to these terms thank you um there there is like a party that goes on Mm -hmm. so alice throws alice is like oh i want to throw a party and then bella's so nasty and is like yeah that went really well last time it's like wait a second hold on shut the fuck up bella you're being I thought we were over this. Yeah, you're being mean, unnecessarily mean to this family that does all the, like, this family does all this shit. Like, one of the reviews I was reading was someone was like, all this drama started because of Bella. Right. And in a way, it is. Like, some people would be like, no, it's not because of Bella. And Bella helps unify these forces. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that the only reason these rogue-ass group of vampires are coming the Voltori are investigating their head in is because some chick from Arizona couldn't get her shit straight and is yep. unhealthily obsessed with the boys. Yeah, and what I love about like the beginning scenes where like Charlie is like, "Don't, don't do that. Like, go spend time with your friends." The whole time that Edward is trying to get Bella to marry him. She's like, no, that's too much commitment. I don't want to get married. And it's like, you can't be against marriage, but then also be totally for turning into a vampire for somebody. Yeah, and I know that a lot of people, and this is the, the case, I guess, with Stephanie Myers, but the turning into a vampire is an allegory for sex. Right. I think there's a lot more that comes with being a vampire then the act of sex, like, yes, sex is a very vulnerable thing and it should be appreciated. And there's great movies that really dive deep into the consequences of somebody taking advantage of someone's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shout out It Follows. I love that movie. Great movie. Right. But still, at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure that the commitment to having sex is nowhere near the lo- it's nowhere near being a vampire. Right. And they constantly mention in a biblical sense, that when you become a vampire, your soul is damned. You lose your soul. That's it. You are going to hell when this is all over. Yeah. Did they, did they establish, like, I know it, well, obviously her religion is Mormonism, but the movies themselves and the books, I don't think they ever established, like, what afterlife there there is that exists. I mean, I guess if there's vampires, there has to be a hell. I don't know. They only mention it in that context that, like, if you become a vampire, your soul is damned. But that's it. There's no further explanation. There's no good place or bad place. They, like, don't say anything else. No. Yeah. And also, are the werewolves damned? 
I don't know. Are they okay because they're alive? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know either. But, I mean, this whole thing, like we talked about before this, was that, you know, she uses all of these allegories and metaphors for sex and ageism and racism. Racism. <laughs> Exoticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, there's such a big, um, like, death is such an important thing that she's, like, very clearly avoiding. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think you mentioned this in the first episode, but there's always that, like, tale of, like, Peter Pan, Tuck Everlasting, now Twilight. It's like, if if Stephanie Meyer can't wrap her head around death, then she's just going to focus on a love that lasts forever and ever and ever and a thousand years and a thousand years more. Yeah. 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 All right. Do we want to talk about the... I was going to bring up, because uh, there's a point where mm-hmm. Jacob, to try and talk Bella out of marrying her, I mean, marrying Edward, invites <laughs> right. her to go to the tribe, and they tell the story of the werewolves and the and the vampires, and <laughs> and then he, and then he's like, you got, you, I know you love me, and she's like, I like you as a friend, but I don't love you like a, like a mate, and right. this is the scene where. I love this clip because you're right. In the last episode, we talked about how she punched Sam. Was it Sam she punched? Mm-hmm. She punched one. Yeah. And like he visibly reacted to the punch. Yeah. Now she punches Jacob because Jacob tries to forcibly kiss her. Rightfully mm-hmm. so. She punches him. But it like it's like punching a brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you can see that like nothing happens to him when she punches him and it's like wait a second sam is like the alpha of the pack how did that punch recoil but this one doesn't i don't know it's weird and then there's a that scene led to the one of the funniest scenes in the movie i love when they race home, and Edward shows up, and they get in each other's faces. They're chest pumping. They're yelling, like, oh, 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 and they're like, don't kiss my girl. And Don't he's kiss like, my girl. And he's like, she doesn't know what, and this is when Ed, Jacob's like, she doesn't know what she wants. And yeah, just, Ed, <laughs> the way they talk about Bella in these movies are so funny. Yeah, and my favorite moment is Charlie comes on guy and he's just like, whoa, whoa, guys. Hey, guys. What's going on? And then there's that funny-ass moment. This had to be done intentionally. Jacob just looks awkward. He's like, Bella punched me in the face and broke her hand because I tried to kiss her. And right. Charlie's just like, well, all right. I'm going to walk away now. I'm going to walk away. <laughs> Which is better than the book version. Uh-oh, what happens in the book version? Did I not? I thought I told you this. So in the book version, he is supposed to be visibly excited at the thought uh, that Jacob tried to kiss his daughter. Oh, that's Without bad. her permission. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. glad either the writer or director looked at that and said, we're not doing that here. I think that's what's so funny about the third one is because so like these books all carry or this whole story carries on this idea of these sort of like traditional values and then it's like, for the sake of seeming young and hip and with the cool kids, Bella 
doesn't want to get married. And also, like, consent is important. <laughs> they just like to throw those things in there, even though they're so blatantly just, like, copy and pasted in there. Yeah, it's also yeah. not, like, it is trying to be trendy, like, like, uh, like, sex is so norm now, and you're old, and getting married is weird. And I'm like, yeah. if I'm, cons- like, I don't think that was a thing that anyone really said. Like, like the idea of having sex before marriage was a lot more commonplace and is now, but it's like, no one talks like Bella does. Like that's exposition for a writer who's trying to let you know, like, Hey, I get it. I'm hip. I'm with the kids. Right. And actually like, it just sort of continues to perpetuate more stereotypes. And she's like, Oh, well, like where I'm from, you only get married when you're 18. If you're pregnant, bitch, you go and get pregnant. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You could have protected sex. Like, that's there. It's no, it's so dumb. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so dumb. It's so really, really dumb. There is, like, a lot of the, like, chest bumping and thumping between Edward and Jacob. But then, like, my favorite part after this scene is when she goes to the Cullens and they, like, wrap up her hand. And Emmett, as, like, the himbo that he is, as sweet and as dumb as he is, is like, hey, brah, what what happened to your hand, brah? And she's like, I punched a werewolf. And he's like, oh, that's sick, dude. That's so sick. I, I love Emmett because he's just so stupid. He's so dumb. But I loved him in this movie. He had a fun time. He seemed to be having more fun than anybody. Yeah, I feel like Emmett is the only one who is just like, oh, cool. It's like I got a little sister now. And that's it. And it's different in the way that Alice does it, too. Yes. And then, like, because we, I mean, this is jumping ahead, but when they're all, the vampires and werewolves are fighting together, mm-hmm. you can see audibly he's enjoying, like, this this fighting competition with the werewolves. And I'm like, that's fun. Oh, I forgot we also get the training montage in this movie. We do. We get the we training get the, montage. We get the training montage. So, okay, so, like, they they clean up Bella, and she goes to the graduation party, and Jacob, and Jacob just shows, shows up, up. Yep. even though she told him not to, or she, like, uninvited him after the whole kiss. But she forgives him, and that's the important part. See, clear boundaries are very important. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Then this this is the party where Alice has the vision because that's right. why Jacob is there. Jacob is there and his like three werewolf buddies and that's when the alliance gets formed. I love when um I love when Jessica is like talking about like being at the Cullens and she's just like, "Oh my god, it's so it's so nice being here." Like she's so funny. I love the little human interaction so much. Yes. Um, but yeah, so she has the, Alice has the vision of the army and they realize they need to act and that the werewolves and the vampires need to join forces. They got to band up the gang. Got to work together. Yep. And they got to start training. The training montage. Going to need a montage. Montage. And I won't lie, the action in this is filmed pretty cool. Like, it's done pretty well. Right. I really wanted to see more of Rosalie's training, though. Yeah. 
Because, like, out of anybody in that family, Rosalie has the most anger. So you know she's going into that fight being a badass bitch. Yeah. And we actually get a little bit more from Jasper this time around. Right. Like, he's kind of leading the training. Mm-hmm. Which is strange. I don't know why. I mean, I guess because he was a soldier. But, like, I feel like they're all soldiers at this point. Like, yeah. they've all been in some war or something. He also gives some exposition dump as to like, yeah, because he he was until like it's like he wasn't. I I made the mistake when I was talking about in the first Twilight like oh he's the newbie. No, he's been a vampire for a while, but he he was being used by another vampire for like years. Yes. Like yeah. he was also a simp vampire. He was the newbie to being a vegetarian vampire. Yeah, yeah. So he yeah he. Uh, he was being, he was the simp for a while for another vampire, and that's when they give the exposition of, like, oh, this is a thing that vampires do. And this is, this does exist in other fictions. Mm-hmm. Like, vampires who get turned end up serving the person who turned them for a long time. Like, what? Oh, it was Castlevania. Did you ever watch the the animated Castlevania on Netflix? I did, but I don't really know. I think I watched like the second or third season, whatever the most recent season was. I think it was season three is the most recent one. Right. Okay. I watched that one. I did love it. And one of the female vampires, her backstory is she was a servant to another vampire until eventually she broke away and killed him. Nice. Feminism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they talk about the whole like servant lord relationship in Buffy too, like having a sire. Yeah. And so Jasper was a simp, but now he's not. And he's teaching these guys about how to fight newborn vampires because apparently they're the most dangerous. And I actually kind of like that little nugget of knowledge. Like, yeah, reasonably so, new, like, freshly made vampires would realistically be the most dangerous type. Because they're, like, unaware of their powers. They're new to it in this, like, sudden desire and, like, hunger. Like, if you, like, woke up as this, like, super strong thing and you're just like craving food your natural instincts kick in to go get that food yeah well it's like if you take an infant but put him in an adult man's body who also is a bodybuilder (laughs) but okay also like jasper being a confederate soldier really made me cringe yeah it was a little upsetting because that's the thing like he is a i forgot he was a confederate soldier until he told his backstory because i was like I like this character. He's not bad. He's charming. He's leading. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a Confederate soldier. And part of me tried to disconnect. And I'm like, oh, well, you know what? It's whatever. But then I'm like, she chose that. Like, I she know. I know. Like, Why can't she just make him a Union soldier? Like, it wouldn't have been ridiculous to say he was just a Union soldier. Yeah. But no, she made him a Confederate soldier. Just do a throwaway line. Like, I didn't want to fight in the army, but my parents told me to because they owned a plantation or something. That, or he could even have been like, I have, like, how much better of a story for Jasper would it have been if he was a Confederate soldier and he, and he, uh, he went AWOL because he lost sight of the vision when he, when his empathy kicked in and he saw what he was fighting for. He flees mm-hmm. the Confederacy, and that's when he discovers vampires who then take over him. That's tragic. Or, like, in his time as being immortal, he has to live with or unlive 
with the fact oh, yeah. that he did fight as a confederate and that would also support like edward's idea that like a life of a vampire is not a life that anybody wants like now jasper has to deal with the guilt that he fought for the wrong side yeah oh that that's genius what you Thank just you. said was yeah because like that's kind of angel's story like his angel was a vampire and in, in in the buffy rules when mm-hmm. you're a vampire like I know that you like you said in this in the Twilight movies you're damned quote unquote but you're still like yourself right in Buffy when you turn into a vampire you legitimately lose your soul and you are just a shark you are just a hungry soulless monster right but, like the body is the same yeah but the ethical and morality part of the soul is gone it's completely void of that person. But then Angel gets his soul back in a curse, right. and the cur- it's a curse because now he has to live the rest of his life with the guilt of what he did. Like, that's why he's a good character. That's why he's, you know, even though he makes really bad decisions and he dates a 16-year-old, right? we can, we can see past it because it's a man in a life, like, a never-ending cycle of guilt having to do what he feels is right to better what he did. Right. And I'm surprised that this concept comes up so little in Twilight because like Edward always implies like, oh, like we have to live with this. But it's never about like the ethical or moral like choices that they make at one time and then 50 years realize that that wasn't okay. You know, so I think that I don't know why she had to make Jasper a Confederate soldier, but I do agree that like seeing his back his backstory and like getting him to like lead the training session does get you to ease up on him a little bit more and also made me feel like he doesn't have such a lizard stare as much no he lost it this movie yeah yeah it wasn't so weird he does the same lizard stare in the last airbender movie oh boy (laughs) it's so weird it's just it's not Sokka at all yeah yeah this is, I think it was after the training montage, that's when they get the idea, because, like, they're worried what to do with Bella, because realistically, even if we're trying to be really nice to Bella, she mm-hmm. serves no purpose in this fight. No. Like, her as a human being, not, you know, unless she learns how to figure out a rifle, has no purpose being there, but then they find some contrived reason, which isn't a bad reason, but they still don't need her there for it, where they're like... If you put her blood around the forest, it'll make the newborns go crazy and they will lose sight. And that's a good plan. But then it's like, why does she need to be near in the woods while this is happening? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess for her protection. I don't remember what the reason was. They put her in this freezing cold tent in the middle of like the woods. I know. I don't really get it because in the first movie and like the first face off of with Victoria's partner who I don't remember so I'm just going to say Cam Gigandet is that she needs to like completely flee Washington entirely is it because that doesn't work that they're like okay so let's take her to the highest point of a mountain yeah in Washington yeah where it's bound to be cold and they never have a moment where they're like they spend so much time focusing on, like, Bella being human and how she should have human experiences. They put her in that tent, and then they're like, oh, yeah, she's cold. Yeah. Because, like, the whole plan was they're like, the only way to cover up her scent is to pair her with a werewolf because werewolves are stinky and vampires can't smell humans when there's stinky werewolves around. 
So that's when Jacob comes into play because he's the only thing and that makes Edward angry and jealous. Mm-hmm. But then it also kind of just happened stance works out because Edward can't keep her warm. He's a cold vampire. But Jacob can because he's a hot, steamy werewolf. I'm telling you, Team Space Theater. Team Space Theater. Team Space Theater. All I the did, way. I did like that confrontation in the tent, though. No, I did too. And I think it kind of shows the strength of Robert Pattinson's acting by this point, because mm-hmm. even though the material is bad, the like the story is better than the last one, but the it's still bad. But like the direction and his acting kind of brings the scene up from what could have been atrocious to actually an enjoyable scene. Right. It seems like he's really, you know, balancing that line between how the conversation could go and trying to add some sort of nuance to it. And that's when we get the line where Jacob's like, I'm just objectively hotter than you. (laughs) I give Taylor Lautner credit because he, he came in there just to be like a piece of steak. Like that's, he knew what he was getting into this role for. And I respect that because normally that happens to the female protagonist yeah. I appreciate that Taylor Lautner is like, I'm here to be a beefcake. Oh, wait, we forgot the funny line before this. Like, when they were planning the whole thing where Edward was going to take Bella up the mountain, they're just like, it's just Edward, Bella, and Jacob. And Jacob takes off his shirt because he needs to be extra stinky. And, and Edward's like, does he ever wear a shirt? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is really funny. It's like that demon in the good place who is always taking off his shirt because he doesn't know what else to do. Oh, I love that demon. Yeah, I think his name is like Chad or Chuck. Yeah. Um, But, oh, what was I going to say? I don't remember now. We were oh, like on the mountain, yeah. So they're on the mountain. But what's funny about like them leading up to her being on the mountain is there is a moment in between when Jacob is aware is in his wolf form and he's standing next to Bella and I don't know why they felt this was still necessary I guess so that they could capture uh Kristen Stewart's like physical response but to shoot that scene they had Taylor Lautner in a mocap suit yeah oh my god that (laughs) photo is hilarious (laughs) and there's just a there's a photo, there is documentation of Taylor Lautner just bowing his head so Kristen Stewart can pet it like a dog. Oh, uh, that's amazing. We gotta post that when we post this episode. Yeah, it's the funniest picture because they're just carrying on as serious as always. And then there's just Taylor Lautner in a suit, in a like spandex tight suit. It was hysterical. But I do, I do like the scene in the tent I do feel like it's a little like well we're two men who know what's best for Bella more than Bella but at the same time it is Edward sort of owning up to and hating the fact that there are things that Jacob can do for her that he can't yeah yeah it's it's this weird compromising moment where they have to just kind of put aside the differences and just do what they gotta do, and then and then the next day happens, and Jacob finds out she's gonna marry him, and he's like, I don't want to do 
why am I here? Why why am I here? And I was like, good question. Why are you here? That is a good question. But yeah, <laughs> he spends all this time being like, oh my God, I can't believe I spent the entire night in your sleeping bag with you to keep you alive and you're still going to marry him. What the hell is that? And then she's like, Jacob, sit. <laughs> and then she kisses him. And then Edward's like, oh, I know. And it's okay. Yeah, that that is kind of sad. I mean, I didn't quite... Like, what's the message there? Like... I don't know! Because <laughs> it's not a healthy message. No. It's not saying you can love somebody and not be with them, like, romantically. Like, it's not a message of, like, endearing. It's not, like we are not romantically compatible, but I love you. Like, that's not that. It's, I'm going to kiss you so your incelly fucking ass calms down so you can fight the fight. Well, it just, it continues the blurring of boundaries even more so. Just because there's, like, some sort of unexplained attraction, even though when we find out what that is in the later movies, it's so weird. It's worse. Yeah. But... You know, the way that, like, Edward just stands there and doesn't say anything, I don't I don't know what to take away from that. Because it's one part, like, okay, good, he's backing down from the whole, like, weird, creepy, I'm gonna stare at you guys anytime you have a conversation. And, like, I'm, I'm going to protect you, you can't talk to this, her, like, blah, 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 blah. But it also, it just is sad. And there's just no communication. That's the biggest problem. There's no communication. Yeah, we don't know what to take from it. Yeah. It's not resolved. It's just sort of like left hanging in the cold mountain air. Yeah. Yeah. But then something I I, I didn't hit on, but Mm -hmm. the Voltori show up. Oh, yeah, that's right. What's her face? The actress who plays the... the, Dakota Fanning. (laughs) Dakota Fanning shows up. And they're witnessing this army rising and they're like, we're just going to watch. And it's like, what's your, what's the point of just watching? I know it's, I think it's just for plot because if you don't want vampires to cause a scene, you'd kill all those newborns. Because they're causing a scene. They're causing a huge scene in Seattle. And I also just, like, love the stereotype of, like, riots and, like, big violent things happening in a city always being, like, in a back alley with a garbage can on fire. Yeah. It's, like, that typical scenario. Um, But, yeah, the Volturi, like, don't really do anything about it. And I, I think what they're looking at it is that, like, if the Cullens get rid of them, the job is done for us. If the newborns kill the Cullens, that takes care of the weirdo vegetarians we disagree with, and we'll still have to kill the newborns anyways. Fair. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, But it's still... I. (sighs) Also, I feel like what I get from Victoria with the other two movies is, like, she doesn't need a man or an army to do her bidding. She seems like she's pretty strong on her own. I think, in theory. In theory. In theory. Because all we saw her do was run in the woods. Right. 
So then, like, why does she need army and rebound vampire to get her what she wants? Yeah, because it, it was never established. Because that's the thing, like, typically in an, you know, to get from point A to point B to point C to point D, you would have an establishing scene. And this mm-hmm. could have been done in Mo- New Moon to make it a better movie. Mm-hmm. Where she does attempt to get Bella and is stopped by the Cullen family. And no ma- and you see, like, you, you would have to see a physical example of how strong she is. Right. Like, maybe she kills one of the werewolves, which is, like, one of the most, like, wow, that's powerful. But even her strength is not enough to take on the Cullens. So that would make sense that in this movie she raises an army. Mm-hmm. But we never get that scene. So in this movie she raises an army. And we're like, she didn't even attempt it yet. Like, she's there's no point in which, like, her boyfriend did and he gets murdered by the Cullens. But that's three movies ago. We don't remember that. We didn't see her strength. Was she stronger than him? We don't know. No idea. The only time you ever see any of Victoria's strength is, like, when she pulls the boat closer to her. And that just seems like pretty generic vampire strength. Yeah, it's not exemplary strength. It's right. not... Like, running through the woods is not a sign of strength. Right. And it's in really bad slow motion, because, again, the frame rate was never shot for slow motion. Right. What I do like about Eclipse is, like, I I like that they show you Jasper's background story, but also I really love uh, Rosalie's background story. Oh, that one, I loved it. It was rad. It was so rad, and... This is the thing that I think because of the fan base and Stephanie Meyer trying to like adhere or like to appeal to these like teens, they don't want to make it too serious. But in the book, she is like gang raped and left for dead. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. Right. So I love that she comes back in the wedding dress. And just straight up murders them. Yeah. And her response is, I was a little dramatic back then. So like, I don't, I'm not mad about it. Even that is her acknowledging that like, oh, I've changed a lot since I've done this. Yeah. But she also confides in Bella that she didn't want to be a vampire. And like, this was never a choice she would have wanted to make. It wasn't made for her. Yeah. But also the things that they don't tell you about Rosalie that makes her so awesome. One, she's born in Rochester. I did not know that. She's a Rochester vampire. And also, she's spent her time as a vampire wisely. She's gone to multiple universities and has multiple degrees in engineering, pre-med, and she's a mechanic. She's way more interesting than most of these characters. I'm telling you, man. Rosalie, Alice, and Leah are, like, perfect. They needed their own story. They really did. So so the Volturi are like watching over them the entire time this is happening. I love that Wikipedia calls them the vampire police. The vampire police. <laughs> it's like the vegan police. Yeah. Do we, do we talk about the big battle? Yes. Let's talk about I, the battle. I do love this shot actually where they walk through the water across the bay and it's foggy and they rise from the water. I thought that was actually a pretty cool scene. That was a pretty cool scene. I liked that. Yeah, so now we have Bella's at the top of the mountain. Yeah. The 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 Collins are on the bottom of the mountain and the vampire army shows up 
and then they run at each other, and then the werewolves jump in, and they there's just a pretty awesome, well shot action sequence. Yeah. And and then uh again, um what's his name Embry? No, the what's Emmett? Emmett? Why no, I, I think keep... you were right. I think it was Embry. It's a weird name, but yeah. Okay, Embry. And they're f- so it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was just like a good romp, a good moment of like vampires and werewolves duking it out. My the funniest thing to me about like these three movies at this point is every single one gives you different visuals for what happens to a vampire when they die. Yeah. This time they're like completely made out of ice. Yeah, they're made out of some like ice or stone material. Yeah, they they take the like cold-blooded metaphor and just go all the way literal with it and just make them out of ice. Yeah. Cuz what is it? We while the fight's happening, uh Victoria and her simp. Yeah. Find Bella. And what which werewolf was there with them? It wasn't Jacob. It was the it was the most recently turned female werewolf who was very Leah. angry. Leah, yeah. So she's with them and Edward and they're fighting and Edward is telling the simp, he goes, Listen, man, you're just a simp. I yeah. murdered her boyfriend. She yeah. loves him. You're just the simp now. You're the rebound vampire. Not even. I don't think he was getting any. I think he was just the simp. I don't yeah, know. I don't th- they, they don't establish. They don't show her like kiss him or anything. It's never like he like re like it's still not better, but right. it actually it's not great. But it's a little better if at least like he was the rebound vampire. He was the synth vampire. I don't think he got anything from this. She does say something like, "You know how I feel about you," or like, "You know what you mean to me," which is very vague. It, it, it's super vague. It's super it's, vague. It's meant to do. Th- that's what she was deliberately doing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just something about Brace Dallas Howard as Victoria. It's just a weird replacement because she just plays it not as scary. Like, at least Rachel Lefebvre has that kind of, like, stone cold, like, I'm here to take names and no prisoners. Yeah. Kind of vibe. Like, she gives off that... Rep- like that feel Bree Dallas Howard just doesn't have that no yeah and then um during the fight Jacob gets really injured right he has his entire rib cage crushed oh and he also gets bit by a vampire he does isn't that what happens I think he I gets don't... bit by a vampire yes yeah Probably, because yeah. that's what happens later on when he's like screaming his body is trying to reject the venom Mm. which I guess is a harder struggle. That was another thing, too, that confused me. So, like, I guess it, it's really painful for him because as a werewolf, his body can further try to, like, push back the venom, but then also that means it's, like, an incredibly painful process. What I thought, because I, I, what I thought was happening was because the, 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 I keep forgetting the, the main Colin's name, the father. What's his name? I was going to say Peter, but I think that's his real human name. Um, Carlisle. Carlisle, yeah. Carlisle, because, like, he, it, Jacob's entire ribcage is broken. But since he's a werewolf, he heals really quickly. So, J- so, and this actually sounds fucking awful. He goes, we need to break and relocate his ribcage before his werewolf healing kicks in. 
And I was like, yikes. Because that yeah. does make sense. Like when you break a bone, sometimes they have to break it to put it back into place. Right. But but imagine you had to do that while like knowing you're going to heal in 30 minutes because you don't want it to heal wrong. Yeah. I I want more adventures of like Carlisle, the supernatural doctor. I like Carlisle. Why doesn't he have his own like Netflix show or something? Right. Exactly. Like I just want to know, does he take, you know, house calls for vampires and werewolves as well as humans? And then the whole time he's like, don't drink the blood, don't drink the blood, don't drink the blood. Did you know that witches exist in the Twilight universe and we just never see them? What? Yeah, because I'm on the Wikipedia page for Carlisle and he was an Anglican priest who hunted witches, werewolves, and vampires. And I'm like, wait a minute, witches exist? Right? (laughs) Just throw that in there. Like, oh my god. But then again, that's probably one of those things that Stephanie Meyer wanted to introduce but didn't because she got really caught up in like, which boy wants me? But so here's the thing, too, with the movies is like I really looked forward to knowing the rest of the Cullen's backstories. I loved that we got Jasper and Rosalie. So I'm like, oh, cool. The rest of the movies are going to mention what happens to all the other Cullen's. I kind of want to see this. They could have easily put that in New Moon. There was plenty of time for that. Especially since New Moon was... It's because the book is just one book. Right. They did the Harry Potter thing where they split it into two for money. For money. um, If you're going to do that, add some extra material to make the first version worth it. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that we would spend the rest of the movies like just peppering in one or two of the Cullen stories. Like, and finding out about Carlisle. And, nope. No. Nope. You only uh, get Rosalie and Jasper in Eclipse, and that's it. So, we want to talk about the battle ending and the Volturi showing up. Sure. The battle ends, Volturi show themselves, they're like, we're here! And then they, unfortunately, this plot that you were talking about with the little girl, what's, mm-hmm. I think... Brie Tanner. Brie Tanner. And the Volturi decide that she has to be killed. And Esme's though... like, oh, can I keep her? Can yeah. we get another one? Um, that kind of alludes to, I guess, there being a bigger issue with the Volturi coming up. I think that's the whole purpose of that scene. That's it. Um, Jacob is healing after being devastatingly ripped, you know, having his entire ribcage broken mm-hmm. by, a, by, a, by, a, by a fucking vampire. And the movie ends the way it opens. Bella and Edward are in a in a meadow. I know, nothing, nothing really changes. No, and I, there's something about this t- fucking franchise that they every that does every movie end on like that one cliffhanger line. That's like, oh my god, because yeah, the la- in Breaking Dawn, the last line was, "Will you marry me?" And now the last line is, "We have to tell Charlie," and then the movie ends. Goddamn right, you need to tell Charlie. Uh. Maybe Charlie deserves immortality. He 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 did it all. He's a good man. He is a good man. He's a good dad. I still he just wants to hang out and have beer and This is and a podcast that stands good dads. We stand good dads. We stand good dads. They're important. It's so funny watching Gilmore Girls again and seeing Billy Burke and there's no mustache there. 
but I still see a mustache. I yeah, he has quite a mustache. Yeah. All right, I guess well that's the movie. That's Any final movie. thoughts on the movie? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because I just think that the pacing of this one and a definitive beginning and end, it just, it already made it so much better. And I wish oh, they yeah. had the same approach. I just feel like this one has like a lot more polish, a much more clear and concise script. Um, and you know, the normies are great. Yeah. This movie, like you said, a lot more polished, has a lot more to offer. Mm -hmm. Like it's, and like it's, there are moments where it's like unironically entertaining, whereas the first movie is entirely ironically entertaining. Right. Right. It's not boring like the second one, which God, that movie was dreadfully boring. Yeah. The action was shot well. And you could like that, even though they're still like not monstrous vampires they still have fangs they still don't look threatening they act a little bit more threatening and i think that's coming from a director who's done monster and vampire creature features before mm -hmm. so yeah. there is like better tension the the and it's just the only problem that these franchise movies have still exist everything else going on is pretty cool mm -hmm. the thing that's holding it back is the stupid melodrama and Stephanie Meyer's subconscious lack of understanding of sexuality and, mm -hmm. and, and and racism. Yeah. And it's funny how I feel like in every one of these book series that follow, like, you know, teenagers in some sort of, like, grave, crazy event that's happening, it's always, like, the in-between. There's always, like, one book in the middle that is definitely the more superior one because, you know, the first one, you set the foundation for the world that the character lives in. And the second one or the third one is always just story, just flat out. Yeah. Like, here's where you can get into the meat of it. And yeah. then in a lot of cases, the final one is a big letdown because there's pressure and expectations. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's typically, and I, that's what I unfortunately expect to happen here. Yeah, and I think that for what was so great about Eclipse is like there's a very clear risk with the vampires that they don't really show in the first two, which is like, no. well, they try to do it in the first one, but like still, um, like with Brie Tanner and then also hearing like Jacob scream as he's trying to heal. It's like, okay, there's very clear consequences to what's happening. But even then, it's like, okay, Brie Tanner, I'm so sorry that this is your life, but you're done. And then, like, Jacob is the only one who's in any real pain. Yeah. He's the only one that really suffers. I know. <laughs> and then that just further confirms his incel attitude because he's like, look how much I have to sacrifice to take care of you. Whole, whole ribcage broken for you, Bella. Yeah. <laughs> I took a grenade for you. I took a grenade for you. Da, da. <laughs> what was it? Chop yeah. my hand on a blade for you? Something stupid. That was the era in yeah. which I wasn't really care. I didn't really care about Bruno Mars at that point. I think his music got better a little afterwards, but that's just me. I liked it a lot more at the time as like a, oh, I like that this guy has like kind of an old school feel 
but he's also making this kind of a music. I'm into it. Like, this is fun. But it's also the part of his music where I look back on it and it ages the poorest. Yes. Yes. I think as like a pop icon, his most recent stuff is much better. Yes. Yeah. So do we want to rate the dad on a mustache scale of five? Yes. And then we also have to compare this movie to a cheeseburger. Oh, yes. I love that. Okay. (laughs) If I had to say how many mustaches Charlie had in this one, Mm -hmm. Peak was the first one. Mm -hmm. I think this time he has four, four mustaches. And it's exclusively because he looks at his daughter. She's grounded from the first movie. He looks at her and says, you're ungrounded so long as you spend time with people. Like, do things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a good dad who cares. He's reasonable and he's just concerned. This isn't a power trip for him. He's legitimately concerned. Because in the last movie, any parent would be rightfully angry their their daughter just went up and took off to Italy for three days without saying anything. Yeah. And also, like, any dad who sees his daughter have that reaction to a breakup is going to hate that guy. Yeah. Like, that doesn't even have anything to do with, like, the sexist undertones that, like, usually perpetuates the whole, like, my daughter can't date thing. No, any parent would be pissed off at regardless of who you're dating, man, woman. Right. And anything. Anybody who makes their child feel that way, they're going to be like, fuck this person. Yeah. Um... Which, by the way, I do think it's ridiculous that she would be, like, screaming <laughs> when she was sad about Edward. Yeah, she screams she like she was in physical pain. Yeah, that's not... Like, you can be upset and you can have that really loud cry that happens when you're so upset. But screaming seems unnecessary. Yes. But, so... I it's, Okay, so your rating, your mustache rating for the first one is five. Yes. Then three, then four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I gave him four for the first one, three for the second one. I'm gonna give him three and a half mustaches because okay. I I agree that he was like, you gotta go hang out with other people. I don't like that his reaction is, you gotta hang out with other people, and by other people, I mean Jacob is fine. That, okay, you're right. Yeah. That's why I give him a four, not a five. Right. So my my like transition between the ratings is just like on a smaller scale than yours. Fair. Yeah. All right. Now where <laughs> what let's do the burger rating. Let's I do already the burger know where rating. I'm going. Okay, you I tell me because I don't know yet. Alright, so I'm gonna give this movie a five guys burger. Interesting. It's it's cause five guys is not the best burger. But it is consistently a good burger. Like, Fair. if I want a good... Like, I am a fan of the Smash Burger. Okay. Five Guys does do the Smash Burger. They're not the best at it, but they're pretty damn consistent. Like, I, if I need a burger fix and there's a Five Guys, I'm going to get the Five Guys. It's, it's reliable. It's entertaining. I mean, like, there's still better burgers out there. Fair. But I, I can give it a five, guys. So if I were to rate that out of five, it'd be like a four. Four mm. five guys burgers out of five. That's good. I, I feel like I don't like five guys the way that other people like five guys. I feel like Shake Shack is on par. But I also want to save 
Shake Shack as a rating for a future movie. I actually think that Shake Shack's a little is actually better than okay, Five good, Guys. Good, good, good. Yeah, I, I actually put Shake Shack up, but that's why I didn't give this movie a Shake Shack. I gave it a Five Guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna go local, and I'm gonna say this one is a really solid uh, PS burger. Ooh, all right. Yeah, I, I do like their burgers. If you're on Long Island, go eat a PS burger. To Mineola. Yeah, it's... Shout out to Rob Kiss. Every day he's eating a P.S. Burger. And I message him like, dude, we got to talk more about burgers. Yeah, I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it four P.S. Burger um, chicken bacon sandwiches. Because <laughs> it's That's like... Fair. It's good, but it's still not the thing it should be. I agree. So that's that's where I stand on it. But now now I kind of want a chicken bacon sandwich. Yeah, I'm hungry. I do have mm. to. I gotta make my errands. So and I gotta pee. Oh yeah. <laughs> I gotta okay. pee. So should, should we? I know we. I know we just recorded um, another episode yesterday. But do you want to quickly do uh, weekly obsessions? You want to do another obsession? Mm. What's the second obsession that you have? Um. Starting this new photo thing that I've been writing down about. Oh, good. My weekly obsession is um, I, I set a goal every morning to get up and write, like, what I have to do that, that day and write a nice thing about myself. Yay. And I've been writing down just little ideas about this photo project I wanted to do. Because in October, I did every day I did a pumpkin carving and I took a picture and posted it on Instagram. 31 pumpkins for October. And it was it was awesome, and it gave me a daily creative task, and I miss that. And I think I want to do better with my photography. Like, photography wasn't the focus of the carvings, mm-hmm. so I always use my phone. But I have, like, really – I want to take my cameras out and actually do photography again. I haven't done that in a while. Oh, good. I'm glad. And and in talking to Courtney about personal issues, I was telling her I stole the line that I said. I said – um what did I say? I said, um, I was the cure until I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And something resonated with that. And I love that. So I'm going to try and tell like the story of either love, love, love's past mm-hmm. or like happiness past. Like it, I want it to be a little more generalized. Like, like I thought of the immediate, like imagine like how sad an abandoned carnival looks because it once brought joy and happiness and now it's abandoned. I love carnivals. And in my mind, I was like, I want to play with that theme. I want to, like, write down ideas and try to set, like, a challenge in December where I try, like, to get in a week, like, five photos that represent mm-hmm. the theme. And it can be, like, I go for a walk and I see something, you know, a little, like, sad looking or something just to kind of communicate a visual story. Mm-hmm. Or I can actually, like, try and compose a shot and tell a story in a, you know, and I love to experiment with um, long exposure because mm. it looks kind of ghostly. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like, it's an, <laughs> any amateur photographer who learns how to do that is going to do that because it's fun. But I don't care. I think it's, I want to have fun. Well, I mean, if you want to like compare it to like, okay, like let's say the printmaking. Yeah. If I just like really enjoy working with wood, I could just, you know, try making different prints with wood over and over and over again. So if you enjoy exposure and want to experiment with exposure, then that process is still valuable. Exactly. So I'm going to have fun with that. Yeah. And I think also, like, it would be really interesting to, like, 
like you were saying, like extrapolate on the idea, like I was the cure until I wasn't, it kind of extrapolates into the bigger concept of we put our value of ourselves into other things. Yeah. And that's not necessarily healthy, even if it's not as like blatantly damaging as some other examples of that can be. But like even until recently, like I saw like academic scholar and like getting opportunities as like that means that I'm worthy of something. And that's not necessarily like it's not a bad thing to celebrate those things, but it also should not be what I judge my self-worth on. No, because you're well worth more than that. Thanks, Tom. Absolutely. I'm excited to see how your project goes. Thank you. I'm excited. I might even... Sunsets at 4.30, which sucks because I still have to go run some errands, but hopefully I can take my camera with me. And I... The, you know the Albertson train station by Clark Gardens? Yes. Something about that area I love. It feels like, because there's like the industrial thing right there, but then there's also the botanical garden. Totally. There's something about there. I want to just drive around there and maybe try to get a photo of something. Maybe maybe today if I hopefully finish things and get there in time, but we'll see. Um, I'm going to send you an article that I had to read for my project that I found, but it's really, really good. It's about this printmaker in Norway who tries to figure out the connection between an artist creating work and their surroundings. Beautiful. Please do. It's, it's so good. And it's, it's such a wonderful article. I really loved it. And it comes from a very personal perspective and I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, this was a funny note. I just got a message in my twit in my Instagram story. I put the picture of the raccoon. Yeah, the raccoon. There's no trash cannot. There is only trash can. Mm-hmm. I just received a message. Someone responded. They said, "Delete your account." What? No. <laughs> they obviously don't understand humor and comedy. The irony is I know this person really does get comedy, but I think they cringed nope. at the joke. I love raccoons, so I don't mind it. Well, raccoons I want are a... just little mischievous creatures. I want a raccoon. They're they're really interesting. That's going to be next week's weekly obsession is I'm going to be like, <laughs> I got a raccoon and it tore up my apartment. I, raccoons are so fascinating. They've got like such round, like big little bodies, but also the tiniest little human hands. Yeah, that's the creepiest thing. It's so, it's, that's what makes them so great is yeah. they have creepy human hands. Yeah. They're so funny. What is your weekly obsession? Okay. Man? Okay. My weekly obsession is really silly, but I, I've been waiting to tell you about it and you should look yes. it up because it's amazing. Yes. Okay. So when I was younger and all of the, mean girls in the rom-coms and the tv shows were always like a blonde girl named courtney right it's courtney it's Courtney. exactly although now that i look back at it as told by ginger it's an amazing show and i love it but you know growing up with that and hearing that all the time you're like i'm not that person like i don't like that people are saying that to me blah 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 now that i self-identify as a blonde and i made myself like be blonde um the American Girl Doll Association came out with a brand new doll, and her name is Courtney. Oh, nice. And she's from the 1980s. 1980s Courtney. It's so good. And she has her own theme song, and it's like, 
Courtney, 1986. And it's so amazing. I love it so much. She's got like the side ponytail and the denim skirt. And she likes yep. arcades. It's so good. I'm obsessed I with it. I miss arcades. The only like crushing reality of that is that we're at a point in time where the 1980s is an old enough decade that an American girl doll is necessary. Oh boy, yeah, you're right. But, that is it. But it's really that's fun. at least Oh my god, that's like so long ago. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I I'm an American girl doll now and I love it. You have been honored. Fully over. Or rather or rather they are honored to use the name Courtney. Yes. So now I am embracing my status as a blonde Courtney. You do you. Courtney, 1986. It's great. So that's my obsession. Yes. And everybody, thank you mm -hmm. so much mm -hmm. for listening. This was by far the best movie in the franchise. Totally. I, and I haven't even watched the other two yet. You have and, to text me when you watch them. Oh, boy. Did I announce last time our YouTube page is up? Yes, yes. Okay, well, I'm announcing it again. Follow, please subscribe on our YouTube channel. We're venturing into the YouTube platform. And as I edit these episodes, I'm specifically trying to clip out little segments that we can animate. Mm -hmm. I like, because it, it's, we do things similar, but yours is much more animated based. Mine's much more, I can edit like a bad YouTuber. <laughs> they are definitely a little bit different, but I'm glad that we're still very like cohesive on our style. Yes, yeah. and the and the, I love your drawings of us, so I love that as a staple. So go subscribe to YouTube and follow us on the Instagram. Remember the Ot Zero Zero podcast, bam. and we are on Spotify, Bam, bam. Google, Boom, bam, Apple. Bam. Did I say Apple? You can I say can't. it now. Podbean, Bam, Spotify, Amazon, Amazon. We didn't sign off on, but we're there. And weird Russian hosting podcast websites we have a decent listener base in france oh that's cool yeah france likes us i think france and canada are like next to america in the most amount of listeners oh that's nice yeah cool all right guys thank you so much next week is gonna be breaking <laughs> is it breaking dawn it's breaking is that the dawn name? breaking dawn part one mm-hmm and then part two. So you have time. Watch the movies. And if not, then just listen. I, this is one of those times where I'm going to be like, if you didn't watch it, that's fine. Yeah. Um, the next ones we're going to start talking about weird vampire sex. So, you weird know. Weird vampire sex. If that's not something weird you want to watch, I get it. That's fine. Oh, boy. That's okay. Well, You're, you don't have to. <laughs> All right, guys. With that, stay tuned. And stay Switzerland. This means an ugly fight with lives lost. We're in. As long as we get to kill some vampires. Doesn't he own a shirt?